Hello everybody, welcome to episode number two of Terrace Talk as we look ahead to Norwich City's second game back in the Championship. They're of course hosting Preston North End at Carrow Road this weekend. Still behind closed doors, but that doesn't mean we can't get some fans' perspective on the goings-on at both clubs. Joined by Sam Langan, Norwich City fan, and joined by Ryan Briley as well, who's a Preston North End fan and also a professional rugby player for Hull, KR and Scotland International. So, Ryan, um, before we get started in terms of football chat, I thought I'd come to you first. Um, just talk to us a little bit about the, the procedures in, in rugby because there's been a lot of focus on football and football's return. Uh, maybe maybe like, I'm not a massive rugby fan. I'll get that out there at the, at the start. Um, but I haven't heard as much about rugby. I mean, are, are you guys still in like the, the bubbles and stuff that we're seeing in, in football and other professional sports? Yeah, mate. We... Um... Yeah, so it kind of pretty much transpired with what what all the other sports are doing. So we also we get tested once twice a week, um, and if you have any symptoms, obviously you can't come into training all that kind of stuff. We we you have to kind of stay in your own houses. You're not allowed to mix with the public. Not allowed to go out with um, with family for meals and stuff. It's just a bit of a nightmare. You can't go to any like public gyms or swimming pools or anything like that. So it's um, yeah, it's it's not great. But it's, I think we just got to do what we can to. Kind of get the get the season over the line. It's been a been a tough kind of slog to get it back started. So um, it's it's just mad. It's like each week there'll, there'll be a game cancelled in terms of people not managing to um, get get the fixture get the fixture completed. So uh, the the fixtures change every week, and, and literally even before the day, um, fixtures will change. So it's uh, I think everyone just on board at the moment, just trying to do everything we can to to get the season uh, completed. I don't, I don't think it's long left. I think there's only like seven eight games left. So. Um, but yeah, far, far from ideal, but it, it just has to be done. I think um, it's been a strange experience having no fans there, and um, the sooner we can get that back, that back, better, really. Yeah, and obviously you're you're a professional sportsman, so it seems right to ask you about behind closed doors and playing behind closed doors because that's something as a as a rugby player you've had to experience. How have, how have you found that? I know you've you've got a slight injury at the at the moment, but how, how have you found playing behind closed doors? Has it changed your your mentality as a player? Has it changed? perhaps what the game is like as an experience? Yeah, I can't stand it. I, I know I've um, been to a couple of players and, and football themselves. It, it's just not the same. And um, I think there's certain players who kind of thrive off the pressure and thrive off the enthusiasm the, the fans bring and, and the atmosphere. And, and I've certainly am one of them. It's, um, it's kind of throwback to like the amateur days where you kind of play in front of nobody. So um, I think it has changed the dynamic of the game. I think players who kind of not play on the edge but kind of play with that enthusiasm and um, need that kind of adrenaline rush to kind of perform it, it certainly dampened that that part of the game so um, you, you, especially in rugby you've seen a, 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 a certainly different dynamic in terms of enthusiasm and, and intensity uh, and, and pressure as well so if you in, in normal circumstances would, would you have thrown that pass probably not but then now there's no fans there and no pressure you're probably more willing to throw it in knowing you're not going to get booed off or anything like that so uh, <laughs> no it's it's been it's been difficult it's been difficult and like I said earlier I think the the sooner the um, the return of fans to stadiums will be better for everybody and as a fan like obviously as you know a big Preston fan and watching the games uh, during the lockdown and obviously after the lockdown and behind closed doors it just wasn't the same I'm sure you guys agree it's um, football's not not really the, the same sport without the fans. 
Mm, that's that seems like a, a brilliant time to bring Sam in. Sam, as, as a Norwich fan, how, how have you found this period? Because it's been um, a lot of fans have found it incredibly difficult not being able to attend games. It's it's such a source of escapism. Football. How, how have you sort of viewed this period? Is it something that is still quite difficult for you? Are you as emotionally invested in the games? Um, yeah, I think I'm still as emotionally invested. I think obviously, no matter like how you watch the game, still going to be like. Um, pretty addicted and yeah you're going to be like supporting the team no matter how you view it um, but yeah I mean I'm not a season ticket holder I'll probably get to about one in three games that's home and away I'm London based so I don't know how we get to them and <clears throat> I think watching them just on the screen I guess you do lose that connection a little bit um, there's just nothing like the match day experience so yeah, it's been strange, and I think when we all are allowed back in stadiums, it's just going to make it so much more easier, and we are going to have that connection again. Mm, well, well, this is it from from the EFL um, on Wednesday morning. It was was this statement saying that they do hope that actually some EFL games will be allowed to have pilots. Um, Ryan, let's let's get your perspective on this as as a professional sportsman. How much will even getting one thousand, two thousand fans back into stadiums? How will that really improve? I guess the the spectacle, but but equally for for players and and for people within the game, how how beneficial will, will that be to getting what you said there in terms of that dynamic that's been lost? How important will it be to getting that back? Do you think? Oh yeah, massive. I think um, he, he, I'm presuming out of that one thousand, two thousand, potentially could be allowed back into the stadium. Um, a few of them will be family members as well. So like your family, you've not been able to what come watch you play. Um, you look, you obviously daughters, sons, uh, mum and dads. Also, them being allowed into the game is uh, into the stadium is massive, and I think that's where you kind of get your five, extra five ten percent from, and especially as a player that that's kind of especially why I play. Obviously, trying to make my family proud, and and that, and that that'd be a massive thing for me, especially. So, um, but again, like I say, one thousand two thousand people back in back in the stadium, um, not that it's going to be a, a racket and it's going to be a, a massive atmosphere change, but there will be some noise there, and, and like I said to you earlier, with the in terms of refereeing decisions, there. Will, a roar when someone goes down in a penalty box, a handball or anything like that, there will be a change of of, of environment and atmosphere. So, um, I, me personally, I think that will change the dynamic in terms of refereeing decisions where at the moment there's no pressure on them to make any sort of decision. Um, and it's natural. It's just a natural um, reaction and, and, and thing to do when, when there is noise and, and things happen on the back of things happening in the game. So, um, yeah, I, even if I was playing away from home, I'd rather I'd rather be playing in front of the crowds than not doing so. If you ask um, if you ask any player, would they rather play in front of two thousand or none? Everyone would have the same answer. So um, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, it's sooner or later. Mm. I mean, we've we've spoken about how much you don't like playing behind closed doors. I wonder if referees have perhaps been the one winners of behind closed doors football. It must be uh, quite nice, quite nice for them not to not to hear their name uh, put into to certain chants. Maybe um, Sam, let's let's reflect on on Norwich. Then they of course kickstarted the, their season last week with a one 0 win against Huddersfield. What did you make of the performance? Because it, it wasn't overly convincing, but it was a win. And given that they were, what, 12-game losing streak in, in all competitions, that was the main thing for a lot of fans. Yeah, it was OK. And there were some bright moments from the whole team. But I think similar to Luton in the Cup the week before, um, in the first half, probably produced the best football. And the second half was like a little less fluid in terms of possession. But I think we did limit Huddersfield to very little. Um, we had an XG of about 1.5, but I guess most of that was made up 
by the goal and the other chance that Ida had um, when Puki nearly set him up again. But we didn't really consistently create goal-scoring chances over the whole game. So, yeah, definitely much to be improved. But it was still just a massive relief to uh, to get a win. I think at this stage of the season, it's important that perhaps we make comments rather than conclusions and sort of look for for any trends. I mean, it's very difficult to take anything like it is in, in pre-season out of the first game of the season. But was, was there anything that you saw from that performance that either particularly um, impressed you or particularly concerned you? Um, I think it was mainly like the individual performances rather than the, the like collective was the team really because um, I think players like Cantwell, Aaron's um, played really, really well. Well, was my man of the match. Um, the way that he's able to keep the ball so well and bring other players into play was really, really good. I thought the link up he had with Dow in the first half was also really good. Um, they did sort of get into the same positions, which probably wasn't very good for yeah the attacking phase, but. They still, yeah, they still managed to link up really well. And I think I saw a little bit of a relationship going on there. So that was really strong for me. I guess, yeah, it's just trying to be able to play like consistent or fart ball, like over the course of 90 minutes, really. That's something that we haven't seen in the first two games. I mean, against Luton in the cup, I guess it was more of a B side. So we're probably not going to see that same 11 play together again. But yeah, I think going into the game against Press on the weekend, it'd be good to have like, yeah, more consistent phases of good possession. Mm. I, th- I think my colleague um, Paddy Davitt summed it up quite nicely on Twitter. Where he said, "Not pretty, but but pretty effective." In terms of the the win, and it kind of felt to me, certainly given everything that had gone before, it's certainly the expectation that a lot of people have given them in pre-season that actually a win was as important for perhaps the PR and getting the fans back on side than, than it was maybe the the performance. Yeah, and I think it will give them a massive boost, and you hope because they haven't played well but got that three points that they will. Then- Start to get into rhythm over the next few games. I still like. I also think it was huge to get a clean sheet because that's the first clean sheet since February. And I think for someone like um, Crystal Zimmerman, Ben Godfrey, Tim Krull, um, and Aaron, it's not to play like players are like um, within a back four and not get a clean sheet for such a long time. It's uh, you know it's a real boost. I mean, again, Huddersfield weren't like they, they didn't really create much at all, and even when they had corners, I mean, obviously our big weakness is set pieces into the box and they wanted to play it short. And so, I mean, they really played into our hands in that way. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, that, that, that three points should give them a boost. Mm, and, and on the other end of the, the spectrum, Ryan is, is, is your boys, Preston North End. They obviously lost their f- first game against Swansea. How did you view that? Because as I said, it's important that perhaps we, we don't look maybe for conclusions or overarching trends and, and maybe look at the performance as a, a single entity. What, what did you make? Were you disappointed with the with the result? Were there some pleasing elements to it? Uh, I think it was, I think the most frustrating thing for, for Preston fans was it's, it was kind of a continuation from, from the lockdown and um, just like a bit of a methodical and slow type of approach to, to the game and um, I think teams have, I wouldn't say sussed us out because, again, I'm not a footballing guru, but uh, it, it feels as if teams are cancelling us out by sitting off us a little bit um, and just letting us have the ball because at the moment we're, we're struggling to find the creativity to kind of find a killer pass um, in the final third to kind of, to kind of score a goal. Like, the, the, even from the weekend, I think we had like 64, 65% possession of the ball 
but there's not one chance where where we could have said, "Oh, you should have you should have scored," or "We should have scored." Like there was no clear cut chance uh, for us, and also we ended up losing the game one nil on the back of their only chance. So that's kind of the most frustrating thing is we're, we're not we're not struggling in terms of the game. We're just struggling to to score goals and um, and to create clear cut chances. And I think even like crosses into the box, just our delivery is poor and. Um, it was again. It's more of a continuation from from uh, also before the season finished. Just lacking that cutting edge, and I think we we kind of suit the teams what are going to come on to us a little bit to kind of give, leave us a bit of room in in terms of transitions and that kind of stuff. Because um, with the, if we have most of the ball, we seem to we seem to struggle in in, in breaking teams down. And um, forward to that, that's probably the most frustrating thing. And and of course you you did. Get your season off to, to, with a win in the cup. At least you, you beat Derby County uh, last night, as as we recording this on Wednesday, two one. Um, I think it was a late winner, wasn't it? A late penalty, even though um, Derby had a, a man sent off. Is that again the, the perhaps the, the confidence booster that maybe not just the team but the whole club needs? Because it feels like there's been a, a and I'm, we'll come on to this in, in greater deal, detail in a bit, but it kind of feels like there's a little bit of a grey cloud over Deepdale at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think there was the club was probably in a, a, a no-win situation last night. I think, in terms of the result, obviously it, it's helped, um, but I don't think it kind of stems the flow of the negativity. I suppose I think, um, obviously, I think there's bigger issues going on behind closed doors, and um, as players, they they can all control what's kind of put in front of them, and and to come away with a win is, is positive and. Um, by all accounts, obviously, I only managed to see the second half, but by all accounts, the the performance was was a lot better. Um, obviously, so there were some fresh bodies in there for, from from Saturday, so um, yeah, it's an improvement. It's an improvement, but we're, we're never gonna we're never gonna win the cup, are we? So um, I think it's just a case of, especially at the moment, it's kind of felt like a bit of a pre-season type game. So um, more than happy with the win, but I don't think it. I think it just more. Masks mask the the issues at the moment and uh, delays them for, for even further. So I think we're um, I think we're in trouble this weekend against you guys. But um, it'd be it'd be totally like Preston to to get a result, wouldn't it? Like just totally go against the odds. But um, now that's probably what kills you. Really, it's the hope that kills you in it. So uh, yeah, it's interesting times for sure. I, I know you've uh, you've said that the, the cup isn't a priority, but who have you guys got in the next round? You know. It's Brighton or Portsmouth, so whoever wins that. So uh, potentially a, a Premier League tie for you, and I, and I think as I'm, yeah. as I'm... Yeah. Oh, we we got Ryan. Ah, oh, there we go. You, you seem to be back. There we go. This is this is the problem, isn't it? <laughs> With uh, yeah, doing these things over, over technology, you, you lose connection a bit. And, and I've just been sent a link to say that. The game on Saturday at Carroll Road will have fans. So there you go. Um, Norwich City right. will be a club who are going to uh, have a pilot on Saturday. Um, it looks like. I'll just try and get details of that. But whilst I do that, Sam, um, what sort of impact do you think that will give Norwich City's performance to have? I mean, we spoke about it briefly there, but now it's confirmed that there will be uh, a thousand, up to a 1,000 fans at, at Carroll Road. What sort of impact could that have to Norwich City's performance, do you think? Oh yeah, I think it'll like even if it's a very sort of marginal um, positive difference. I think yeah, that will still really really help the players. They, it must have been so weird after all these months not to play like um, in front of fans. And yeah, I mean 
obviously the 1,000 people there are all going to be supporting Norwich. So, yeah, as Ryan alluded to earlier, they're going to be able to put pressure. Uh, they're going to be able to put pressure on the referee. They're going to be able to support the players. So, yeah, I think it's going to be like a huge, huge difference. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's certainly going to be interesting to see what that does for that for the performance. I'll just read the uh, the statement here. It says up to one thousand fans will be allowed to attend ten different EFL games this weekend as part of the government's crowd pilots. Uh, the news comes as discussions between the EFL and the government about return for more supporters from October the first continue. The championship games that have been confirmed: uh, Luton against Derby, Middlesbrough against Bournemouth, and Norwich against Preston. So any three games in the championship, uh, some more in League One and. Um, League Two. Um, right, let's, let's push away from that then. Um, let's, let's talk about Norwich as, as a whole. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting week. We, we already seen Jamal Lewis depart so far in this window and there's been a, a lot of noise surrounding Emi Buendia and, and an interview that he's done this week. What do you make of that from with, with your fans hat on? Obviously, he's available for selection in, in this game. Uh, we, we obviously understand that there's certainly from his perspective, no push for a move. And it kind of, it seems to have split opinion, this this kind of interview that, that he's done. And it kind of feels like some fans are, are seeing it as a come and get me plea to Premier League clubs and other are perhaps seeing it as him saying, well, the situation is kind of unchanged. If someone comes in for me, I'd like to be a Premier League player. But if not, then then my head is with Norwich. What I guess it's, it's kind of polarising to say which camp are you in. But but how, how did you view that interview, I guess? And, how, how do you think he does fit into Norwich City's side if he does come back in? Because you said there about Dowell and Campwell perhaps forming a chemistry. Do you, do you pluck one of those out, do you think? Um, I think it's a completely non-story for me. I read it first thing in the morning and I just didn't think anything of it. And I was really surprised to see that it got a bit of a negative reaction. I mean, player who's too good for the championship might move, but if he doesn't, it's just absolutely... It's a complete non-story, really. Um, if anything, I think he's um, kind of relieved when Deere has come out and said that he would, like, definitely um, give his all um, during 2021 season, really. I mean, yeah, I think I would play him whether he's on the verge of a move or whether there's been no offers at all, really. Um, I guess, obviously, that's then a conversation about who you replace him with, whether he comes in for Hernandez, uh, Cantwell or Dow. But, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it didn't it didn't bother me slightest. I think he I mean, I guess he was slightly inconsistent in parts last season, but in terms of his metrics, I mean the like his dribbling and the chances that he created, um, it's ridiculous that he was playing in the worst side in the league and he was still able to do that. Um so yeah, I think I, I'm not sure when it will happen, it might not happen this transfer window, but if we can keep him for until at least January, that'll just be absolutely amazing. Mm, this, this is a, we are in a transfer window, so of course these sort of questions arise, and we're going to come to Ryan in a moment about Preston's. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I've described them struggles, but, but certainly difficulties perhaps with, with speculation. But in terms of those young players, they've all received a bit of speculation over this summer, some more than others. As as a fan, as we sit here with uh, a few more weeks to go, of course it finishes in October, doesn't it? Transfer window fully in terms of domestic deals. How do you see it going? And I guess which player would you be most disappointed to lose from, from a Norwich City perspective? Yeah, I was thinking about this really. Who? Yeah, um, well, exactly, exactly that question. Who would I most disappoint to see go? And it's really difficult to to answer because actually, I think all the like all the young players that we talk of are, are huge assets. And I think I was sort of preparing myself uh, when we were definitely going to get relegated, but we might be, not be able to keep any of them. I mean, so at the moment, going into the new season, we've only lost Jamal Lewis. is actually pretty good going, really. 
I don't know whether that's more to do with the transfer window in general because there's less money around. But I think all those players could, yeah, could play in the flight. Um, obviously, Brendier, yeah, I'd be massively disappointed to go. I mean, even players like Ben Godfrey, I mean, I thought he had a really promising game on Saturday when he was stepping out of the ball and sort of breaking into that midfield line. That looked really good. That's something that I haven't seen him do. I definitely didn't really see him do that during lockdown. Um, yeah, and even Aaron's as well. Like, he's so good going. Well, he's definitely like better defensively. But even from like an attacking point of view, I saw him trying to beat the the left back or the left winger of Huddersfield um, a lot more. So, yeah, I mean, they'd all be they'd all be huge misses, I guess. But yeah, I guess for me, Buendir is a very very special player. If there's one that I'd wanted to stay at least for this season. It would be it would be him. Mm, interesting, and, um, and Ryan, it's, we'll bring you in now and just talk us through a little bit about certainly the week Preston have had, but more the the transfer window that Preston have had because we. I saw earlier in the week there was a, a, a club statement. I think the owner released it to me in terms of speculations surrounding some of their players and saying that if if someone if the, the club don't pay the fee that we want for for players, then they're, they're not going to leave. How much? I, I maybe you're, you're used to it as a Preston fan, like a lot of Norwich fans will be when when they have some talent and what that's like getting linked away. But as a fan, it, it must be pretty horrible. And and I guess your heart must sink every window when you see perhaps some of your best players linked moves away. Yeah, I think the more frustrating thing for us is a lot of fans have seen it kind of coming because there's a lot of players who were out of contract, um, obviously, it, this summer coming, so 2021. Um, so we've kind of seen this kind of, I don't know, tornado building. It's kind of it's kind of erupting at the moment. We, we we had a really good start at the, at the, at the beginning of last season um, and there was kind of calls then for for players to be tied down and understanding how, how good they were playing and rewarding and just because our stock was quite high and we, I think we was top of the league at so, oh, oh. Hello. Hello, I think we've got Ryan back. Now there we go, Ryan. Sorry, sorry, someone was trying to ring me, but sorry. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's just been more frustrating the fact that it's been a, a build up of um, frustration. Where and, and from a player's point of view, I get it, and I, I get it every time. And and this is what I, it's kind of hard to kind of explain to Preston fans that players don't love the club as much as we do, and and likewise yourselves, players don't love the club as much as fans do, and. If I think what the problem with Preston, we have like I think the fourth uh, lowest wage budget in, in the competition. Um, when when teams are going to come in, they're not going to they're not going to increase your wages by a grand a week. We're talking double figures, 10, 20 grand a week. Like it's the difference between potentially having to work again and potentially having to not when you finish finish playing. Like that's that's the difference we're talking about. And uh, even if we just touch on the Daniel Johnson thing, like. Last, so last season, at the start of the season, before obviously before he started playing well, um, I think Wigan Athletic came in for him on loan, and the club said we don't want to loan him out, but we'll, we're willing to sell him. And also Wigan weren't willing to to, to buy him at that point because he, he, I won't say he was out of favour, but um, he wasn't certainly indispensable indispensable to the club like he is now. But um, and so we're talking twelve months ago. So this this was a player who 
was actually told he could leave as long as the right fee comes in because he wasn't part of, part of the plans. So now in 12 months' time, he's, he's played, due to injury, uh, played due to a couple of injuries and managed to play and play really well and become the, the team's best player, one player of the season. Now we want him to sign a new contract. It's like, it doesn't work like that. Like, he, he'll remember 12 months ago, I think every, every goal he scored last season, he celebrated by putting his fingers to his ear. Like, because he knows all the stuff was being spoke about him, it, not, not, not in a positive way. So play, players remember that stuff. So I'm sure his agent will be going to tell him, well, hang on a minute, 12 months ago, you tried to get rid of me. And now you want him to sign a new contract. So it just doesn't work. And I think the, the so range, I think they might put, come in 2.3, 2.5 million. For a player we signed for 50 grand, the, the ownership see, see obviously a two million pound plus profit. Um, for a guy who's going to leave free at the, at the end of the year, so it's easy for clubs to it's easy for fans to come and say, "Well, just offer him a new contract and just and give him more more money." But so, we're talking, you, you're never going to be able to match Rangers' money anyway because because he's been on such, I say, low money. We're talking footballers' wages here, aren't we? But we're talking low money in terms of what he was worth because of what happened 12 months ago. So he didn't want to extend his contract then. He didn't want to give him a pay rise then. So the amount of money you have to compete with Rangers is way out, way out the pie. You're never going to be able to do it. So the club is in a is in a knowing situation, but it's their own fault because 12 months ago they could have tied him down and they would have never had this problem. And that goes for a lot of the players like Ben Davis, Ben Pearson, Alan Brown. Like when things haven't been going so well, they've not been off the contracts or contracts extension. But now they play well. A few a few teams come in, they want to start offering contract extensions and. Players are not stupid. They, they, they know it's about flavour of the month for them. And um, if they can triple, quadruple the wages by one move, they're going to do it. As simple as that. Mm, and, and you mentioned there in terms of the competition for wages, I guess if Preston don't have those wages to spend on new talent, then they're certainly not going to be able to match some of the offers that are coming Rangers, for example, that you mentioned there. They're certainly not going to be able to compete with a, a club the size of that financially for, to, to retain players. And it, I read a, a good article before, actually. It kind of hit the nail on the head. They were talking about to, to keep to match Daniel Johnson's offer from from Rangers. So again, allegedly, reportedly, he'd been offered 20, 20 grand a week um, for four years. So it ends up around around two million plus. So it'd be like Preston now signing a player for two million and paying them ten grand a week for four years. Like we haven't we haven't beat our transfer record since David Healy, which is I'm gonna say fifteen plus year ago, which was one point two million back mm-hmm. then. So there's no way Preston are gonna, are gonna spend that type of money so to, to match Rangers. So it it becomes because we won't break our 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 wage budget. Unfortunately, this is what's gonna happen, and until we break the weight, and and I would rather do what kind of Kind of Brentford's model is twelve months ago. You you know you know Daniel Johnson's capabilities. So twelve months ago, when he had two years left on his contract, why don't you why don't you extend his contract and give him really really good money because you're going to be able to sell him anyway. So we're always going to be we're always going to sell players. Preston, we're, we're never going to be top of the tree. So we're always going to have to sell sell players. So why don't you protect your asset by giving the giving him the contract then? Ben Pearson, Ben Davis, the same now who were who were in, in trouble are, are losing. Rather than run it down and gamble and wait till there's 12 months left, 
look after your top prospects now. Like the, the, your big four, look after them now. So I'm talking 12 months ago, where they can actually go, oh, there's a bit of security there, a bit of three-year, uh, three four-year contracts. Um, and that way you protect your assets by giving more money, but you also demand IFE. Just like a quick tip on, on obviously Ben Davis, the, the club value Ben Davis around seven to ten million. Um, but will he be on a seven to ten million pound worth player's salary? Be nowhere near it. So you can't so you can't have the best of both worlds. You can't be demanding seven million for him when his value, the weight, the actual salary you give him is worth eight hundred grand to a million. You can't be mm. you can't be both ways. So if you value him at that, pay him that. But you, but they, but they never will. So you, that, that's why Preston will always be on the back foot because their players will always be worth more than the, than the, the club are willing to pay them, and that's why they'll always lose them. Mm, that's that's an interesting point, Sam, that we've just heard from Ryan. That's something that Norwich City have done very well. If you look at Emi Buendia, uh, Todd Campwell, maybe maybe Campwell is an exception, but Godfrey certainly Aaron's free players that are on long term deals. It, it seems like they've protected their assets maybe a lot better than Preston have. Yeah, I mean, we know that Stuart Webb has done a really good job, not with just the recruitment, but yeah, tying these players down to big contracts. I mean, obviously, um, because of the coronavirus and the the transfer market has kind of changed in terms of fees. So we, you know, we were talking about um, getting, you know, 30 million for maybe Aaron's or Lewis, and um, they've kind of decided to, to take an offer that will build up to 20 million for Lewis in the end, but... I don't know. We've seen like players like Ollie Watkins go for about thirty million um, window. So I still think Norwich could hope for a little bit more for for Emi Buendia. Right. Let's let's turn our attentions to to this week's game then. Um, Sam, I, I don't know how much of, of Preston you've watched. I'm, I'm going to ask Ryan the same question as well. So this is going to be interesting. Um, Sam, what, what are you expecting from Preston this weekend? Obviously, a, a manager that Norwich City know in Alex Neal, someone who uh, was at the club and, and perhaps is, despite how it ended at the club, remembered quite fondly, dare I say, for for the playoff final and, and that day at Wembley that that he he gave to Norwich City fans, but. How how do you see him bringing his his Preston team to Carrow Road and, and setting up? Well, I think they're just a really um, intense and solid side Preston. I remember when um, I think it was in eighteen nineteen. I think we'd just been in Ipswich in the derby. We went to Preston and I think we lost three one. And I just remember how they just gave us any time on the. They broke down all our attacks and Alex Neal really did a number on Farker there because there was just no way we build up from the back because of yeah of how reactively good Preston were um, and yeah I mean this is a side that only finished four points off the playoffs last season um, they've got loads of really good um, championship players that Ryan's mentioned. I mean yeah Daniel Johnson was there like top scorer last season but Thomas Barkhausen as well he's been playing for Preston for a couple of seasons and yeah always look, I think they started with Jaden Stockley um, I think it was maybe in the league game and uh, he's just, again, like a really difficult striker to play against. He's just, uh, yeah, really good at winning duels, brings brings other players into the game. So, yeah, I think I think it'll be a really intense one. And, yeah, just on Alex Neal, I mean, he's still like a massive hero of mine and I think a club legend. I still, I can't really believe that he's actually still quite divisive amongst certain members of the fan base because this is someone that like, produced like my and other fans' best memory of being an Norwich fan in 2015 when, obviously, we beat Ipswich in the playoff um, semi-finals, won at Wembley against Middlesbrough, and it didn't go well in 2016-17, but 
it wasn't a complete disaster that some people make out that it was. And yeah, I think you had to contend with a lot of egos, to be honest. And it's so difficult that that pressure when you're um, a relegated club that comes down to the championship. I just think it's it's much harder to get going the the second time round. And this is something that Farker could could find out later in the season. Yeah, I think um, Daniel Farker might benefit for, from offering Alex Neal uh, into his office for, for maybe a, a drink or two after the game and picking his brains a little bit. Um, Ryan, talk to us a little bit about Alex Neal. He's been at Preston for a while now and he seems to have sort of overseen a period of, of steady progression. I think that's fair to say. I mean, you've said about the budgets. It, it seems like he's he's overperformed really given perhaps the squad at his disposal. How is he viewed amongst... Preston fans is he is he someone that is 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 still well liked because I know when managers are, are in their post for a little while some people can begin to um, perhaps uh, see change on the horizon or wish for change on the horizon. I think um, if you ask the most sensible fans, I think they'll tell you they really like him and he's really good for this club. Um, and and I, and I always back, I'll always back that up. I think the when when I got to watch Preston games. Uh, for, for for the main part, for ninety five percent of it, I actually enjoy watching the games as well. So, I, I, I obviously, I, understandably, as fans, of course, we want to support our team and we enjoy supporting our team. But I, I, I'm presuming you can, you guys can relate. If you was going to a, a, a game where you, the football wasn't great, you, you can't really enjoy it. Whereas, I think Preston fans are quite lucky in the fact that they do try and play an attractive band, a brand of football. Like yourselves, I think you do try and play an attractive brand of football. Which obviously helps, and I think there'd be nothing worse than going to a game where you, of course, you want your team to win, but it's absolutely dreadful to watch. And and for them, you might scab a one 0 win, but you've just wasted ninety minutes of your life watching watching some drab. So, um, I think again, for the main part, the most sensible fans will tell you it, it, uh, what an unbelievable job he's doing. Like even like last, like I said, last season, the season, even the season before, we should be nowhere near like challenging um, the top teams and. I think last season, I think our best performances of the season was against Leeds. I think we we drew obviously one all one all both occasions, and there was our best performances against obviously the the best team in the competition. And I think we seem to do well against the better opposition. And like I said earlier, because better opposition are going to have the ball and come on to us. I think we're a little bit better. I think we like to kind of high press and nick the ball in dangerous areas and kind of transition really well. Um, it's probably the lesser team we kind of struggle a little bit more in terms of because we have more of the ball having to try and break them down. I don't think we've got. I just mentioned like Tom Barkhausen, like he likes to be in transition and, and counter attack, get behind teams, and he's because he's, he's rapid. Uh, he can hurt teams, especially especially on the break. Whereas if teams are sitting off and there's not a lot of room, he struggles to kind of affect the game. Um, again, I'm, I'm talking like a football manager, and I'm certainly not. But um, <laughs> I think I think I think that's that's probably from from the naked eye. That's what I kind of look. But again, I, I'm really happy with him. I think any any season where Preston finishing the top half, battling against the wage budgets, what we do in in terms of the top teams is is a massive achievement. And like I said earlier, Preston certain Preston fans wouldn't be happy with that. They, they think we've got to, we've got to give them right to to win the league, and and it's that simple. But it's not like we we, we base our team on working hard. Uh, and trying to out enthuse out enthuse other teams, um, and I think the championship's a bit of a bit of a strange one. I think of you, you spoke earlier about the the three one uh, defeat against Preston um, a couple of seasons back, and I, I remember being at the game, and I thinking like I remember leaving the game. I don't I didn't understand how we'd won because 
Norwich was like far and away the, the most impressive team to come to to deep there that year. Um, and then you, you you think you're walking off the same one. We've we've won three one, and I have no idea how. Like against, I think a lot of the, this league is how clinical you are, and um, if your chances go in the back of the net, I know, I know it sounds really stupid that, but that a team can have all the ball like like yourselves did against Preston, and um, I think. Puki had just had an off night. I think he hit the post and just n- nothing really kind of fell for him. Um, and and in other games, everything fell for him. He scored four goals. So I, it's a, I think it really is a, a tough league in, in terms of being clinical. And you can kind of, especially early on in the year, we had a, like a good conversion rate in terms of like, even like penalties and stuff. And I think they can change your, change your season and um, probably mislead a little bit as well. But um, I think, Norwich again will will be the, be, up, be up there at the end of the season and, and for me I think they'll be the best team in the competition again. Mm, that's a that's a, that's a statement that Norwich City fans will, will like to hear. Before we um sort of get your <laughs> school predictions and, and and draw this to a close, I, I want to ask you both about um two players in particular, both with sort of a, a foot in both camps, I guess. The first one being Jordan Hugill, who obviously signed for for Norwich in the summer. It seems like a a good time to bring Sam in to sort of talk about him uh, I don't know if you watched the Luton game Sam so maybe you, could, you can tell me if, if you did but what, what did you make of, of Jordan Hugel in that game because it kind of felt a little bit like they, they couldn't really forge a connection between the style of player that he is and by his own admission he's a bit of a battering ram to perhaps how, how Norwich City want to play and then I'll, I'll, I'll come to Ryan on, on perhaps what he was like in that Preston team but what, what do you make of Jordan Hugel so far where do you see him fitting into the dynamic of the, of the side? Yeah, I did watch the Luton game, and um, yeah, I completely, um, I completely agree with your observation in that he just did struggle to get into the game. I don't think he had many touches, and there were very few um, completed passes between um, himself and Marco Stieperman. So yeah, there definitely wasn't any chemistry there. But I don't think Hugel is going to be a player that starts many games. To be honest, I think when Norwich are in difficult circumstances of the game, maybe they're losing or maybe they're looking for a goal. And they're not creative anything through through the final third. I think they'll just look to bring Hugel on to be to be more direct. Really, um, I also think maybe off the ball he's still got like he needs a bit of help, or you know, Farker needs to work with him on on that. Not only um, in terms of his movement, I guess he isn't gonna like as a striker who plays with his back to goal, he's not gonna run in behind very often. But I remember seeing against Luton when he went to press the goalkeeper, and actually this was at a time when Norwich's midfield had dropped back a bit, so. He went to press the keeper and then they were um he was able to pass to the side to the right back. There was no other Norwich um player pressing, so he was completely out of the game. So that kind of showed me that actually even when Norwich are out of possession, he still probably isn't up to speed a little bit of that, what Farker wants them to do in terms of the high press. Um so yeah, there are a few things. I mean, he just seems to do really well for Preston and I think he could be someone that you know you that you bring on and, and is key you you sort of talk, look at the um, the Jordan Rhodes factor that we had in eighteen nineteen and how he was able to come on late in games and hold the ball up and and even I think there was a game against West Brom where where he scored and so yeah the and that was when um, Pookie was injured so I think there will be opportunities for him but yeah still still very old in his uh, Norwich City career. Ryan, just just um, very briefly talk to us about, about Jordan Hugel from from your perspective. What sort of what can Norwich fans expect from him? I guess because we were speaking a bit about this off off uh, off record, I guess. And and you said that he's he's someone who who does work incredibly hard, but maybe hasn't got the the technical capabilities that perhaps Norwich might like. I think Sam nailed it. Um, I think 
from the outside looking, I think he will be a bit of a bit part player for you. And um, especially, like I said earlier, when he was kind of being quoted around and being bantered around the, the league's about a £10 million striker when West Ham bought him, I don't. I think you could have asked the, the most biased Preston fan and, and it, it, he wouldn't have told you that he was worth that. And um, I mean, fair, play, fair play to the club and fair play to him for for getting the move done and obviously achieve his dreams. But um, I think from from my knowledge, and again, like I said, I'm not I'm no football guru, but I think he does lack the technical ability. He's not someone you're going to trust one-on-one uh, keeper to be, to, to win you a game. Like I don't think he's that type of person. I think, especially for you guys and, and where you're going to be in terms of the, of the season, I think he is one of them players who can come on with 15, 20 minutes to go, just to change things, you, you might go a little bit more direct if, if, you, if your plan A is not working and he might nick you a goal. He might nick seven to ten goals for the year. Um, but I don't think he'll, he'll be your out-and-out first choice. And again, I, just like Ossie for course, like I said earlier, I think there'll be some games, especially away from home, where you kind of want to get a bit of a grip of the game. And um, I, and I think what Sam nailed it before, like, what I found with, with Jordan is even though he's strong and he's, he can bully defenders and he can he can win the ball, he struggles to kind of get people around him. And I don't know whether that's down to him be um, fighting at the wrong time, pressing at the wrong time, or the players not reacting to him. I don't know a lot of time at Preston. We, also, we play like a four-two kind of three-one, so he was like on his own, isolated with, with his wingers not really around him. So even when he was winning balls and like like holding the ball up, there wasn't really enough going on around. Around him, um, and again, that, 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 I'm talking football terms here, but that that might not be part of his his fault and, and his problem. But um, I believe he, he is one player for you guys. You probably won't play a lot in terms of starting games, but I think he will. It, it's hard to kind of, and I'm probably contradicting myself. I think he will be a, a really important player for you in terms of getting them results for you when you when you're probably not playing at your best, uh, and it can kind of kind of. Come one and, and win you a game in terms of, of um, slowing a game down, win, winning a free kick, get you out of trouble, and like game management type of stuff. I think I think he's probably the the best suited for for that role. Mm, and of course, Declan Rudd coming back to Carrow Road as well, former uh, Norwich City Academy graduate. I think he's he's had a slight injury, but um, he, he did feature last night, so I'm sure it'd be be good to see Declan back at Carrow Road. Um, just before I let you gents go, it's of course got a, like we do every week, get get your score predictions. So we'll start with with Sam. Sam, uh, first and foremost, again score prediction. But how do you see this game panning out as a as a spectacle? Um, I think personally it'll be a really tight game. Um, I think after the performance I saw last week against Huddersfield, the fact that we weren't very fluid, I don't think suddenly we're going to start even playing like the fart ball or in yeah in 2018-19. You know that we aren't going to see like a nine out of ten, ten out of ten team performance. But hopefully it will be gradually improved with yeah, and we maybe like control the game a little bit more with possession. But as I said earlier, like um, Preston seemed like such a good side off the ball in terms of you know, um, bre- uh, breaking Norwich down and getting tackles in. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a, a tight game because of that. And, yeah, I'm probably only one goal, maybe even like 2-1. Um, I remember there was a game in 2018-19, the home one at Carra Road, where we didn't play very well. And I think that was Pookie's first goal for the club. I think maybe Mario Vranch scored the other one, but... That was like a really, um, in terms of quality, that was that wasn't good at all from from either side. So, 
Um, Preston picked up a little bit in the week. They obviously got that that win. Um, so yeah, I think maybe they'll be a bit more confident and yeah, really a really tight two one. I think. Interesting, Ryan. Final word goes to you. How, how do you see it going from from a Preston perspective? It, it it would be like it'd be totally Preston authentic to go and uh, and get a result, wouldn't it? But um, <laughs> I, for for me, I think obviously, like I said earlier, we we seem to perform better against against the team who are going to have the ball. I think with the way Norwich play, we'll probably go a very high press style, and and like what Sam said, probably more to disrupt it than anything. Um, I don't think there'll be any method behind the madness. I think they just try and press and just disrupt, just so because we we we're not a team who, who can allow um, you guys to have that much of the ball. You got you got too much quality. You'll 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 hurt us too much. So um, I can imagine Ben Pearson following Cantwell around uh, won't leave his side all all day. Um, so I think uh, again, my my head is saying we'll we'll struggle, but I'll let my heart take over, and I think we'll get a one-one. I think we I think we might get a point. Brilliant stuff. Sam, Ryan, thank you very much. Ryan, best of luck for, for the rest of your season. Um, of course, head to pinkin.com for all the latest Norwich City news and analysis. Get your score predictions down in the comments below. Leave a like. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be good to be back at Carrow Road with some fans in the stadium. Um, but of course, pinkin.com for all the details in terms of ticketing and um, stuff. I don't think the club have quite confirmed that, but uh, when, when they do, it will be on our website. So make sure you, uh, you keep it locked to there. Sam, Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you very much for watching. Stay safe and we'll see you all again very, very soon.